This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dylan was, he was a revolutionary, man. The way that, the way that Elvis freed your body, Bob freed your mind. This is Bob Dylan, about man and God and law. Our stories about where we come from, how does it feel, and what we have to say about it all, they change with time. Stories that most move me, the best of rock and roll or a great novel. I sometimes wonder how long they'll be around as go-tos to envelop ourselves in life's mysteries on the mass scale that they have served for the half century or so I've been knocking around the planet. Not a week goes by when a hero doesn't hang up the gloves or cash out on the life given, releasing the last and usually not the best of her or his work, and then poof, they're gone. Sometimes it feels like Bob Dylan's Pompeii. What's left are the artifacts, frozen in time, from which we assemble a reflection of meaning that suits the day. Now, there are still great novels being written, of course, still great music being recorded, and that's not to mention the eternity of the canons of both that can be turned and turned over and over again for a new way of seeing things. But sometimes I wonder if the train of purpose and meaning that music and literature have provided us the foundation for these modern times will get lost as the formative elements of our society that they have been for so long, what will we move on to move us when they're gone? Will it really be the nanoseconds of endorphin-induced ecstatic belonging from a like, likes like sugar shots for white mice in a lab, tested by a captor of calming benevolence, supposedly seeking a cure for what ails us when in fact, the scheme that shapes the lab of euphoria and need for more is part of a very unloving, unliving scheme of profit and control. I'm shifting these thoughts from a quiet corner of a much-needed vacation. I, I live in a country which affords a drive through the mountains and desert to a Red Sea oasis and breakfast in the sun. Half an hour to change your strings and tune up like... Paul Simon's Jonah, who was swallowed by a song, not a whale. 
and a hefty dude is hooking up his laptop to a small PA to which he will play a bazooki. He lets the recording he must have made of a drum machine and keyboards and some strings play for a bit, and as a sad-eyed lady of the lowlands, hostess so easy to look at and so hard to define, brings him a Turkish coffee and an orange juice and places them a little too close to the laptop. Plants himself on a white stool in the corner of the room, tips his head back, black shades in place to cover his eyes, and he may as well be Ray Charles, because this guy's wailing. He plays the heck out of that bazooki, and I am mesmerized. And not because of the two double espressos and the shot of Uzo either. He's bringing it. As it tends to do, my mind is tracing how far back we know this music on the bazooki that he is playing, where Makam meets Dimotika, meets a Romanian folk song, or even something from the British Isles or Gaul. What? notes span a hundred years or a thousand or a thousand or two more. Now, the word music comes from the word muse as in the muses. You know this crew, but I'll provide some refreshment. Way, 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 way back, Gaia and Oranos had a daughter by the name of Menemosine. Her name means memory as in mnemonic devices, and Mnemosine, a goddess-like being named Memory, holds perhaps the biggest and most important job in all of creation. Mnemosine paired off with none other than Zeus, god of the gods, and they had nine daughters, the daughters of Memory. Their name, you remember it now, the daughters of Zeus and Memory. the muses. They lived by a holy stream tracing the tip of the underworld, and their hymns and dancing tripped across the earth all the way up to Mount Olympus. Sometimes, it is told, when they sang, creation itself stopped to listen. Rivers and sky, sea and stars, frozen so as to avoid any distraction from the muses' song. They could take the shape of birds, too, just like that bird, as Bob Dylan sang in You're a Big Girl Now, singing just for you. Even if you happen to be the sun or the moon or the stars when the stars came down. Now that's one way of explaining where music comes from and just how much we need it. This mother load of memory and feeling, this musing and amusement, this pliant but unbreakable chain of tradition that has been soothing longing from the rosy-fingered dawn of the gates of Eden all the way to a seaside bar and a bazooki master 315 kilometers from Jerusalem in January 2022, the year of Omicron. More Greek to us, it seems. More Alpha. Hold the Omega. I'm Stephen Daniel Arnoff, host and creator of Bob Dylan, 
about man and God and law, the podcast to which you are listening right now. You can go back nearly 20 episodes if you're new here, and I've expanded these stories and songs and musings as far as I could to make a book about man and God and law, The Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan. It's published May 3rd, 2022, available as a pre-order or as an ebook wherever books are sold right now. I hope that you will find it. First reviews are excellent, and I'm eager for you to read on. Friends, we are digging deep this time, and we are digging that digging. I hope you dig it too. Welcome to Episode 9 of Season 2 of Man and God and Law, Mothers and Muses. Genesis for this episode? Is it the Genesis for every episode? Maybe even the Genesis for everything was was a broken heart which prompted the need for my vacation in the first place. It was a sad-eyed lady of the lowlands, came and never really stayed. In fact, upon honest reflection, which was churning but laid low. She was leaving from the start. It was a lowland out there indeed, ill-fated, ill-conceived, a lark, but clearly unavoidable for all of the reasons these things cannot be avoided. Where the sad-eyed prophet says that no man comes When a feeling of loss, abandonment, or loneliness becomes too much, and how long is that exactly? 30 seconds? An hour? A week? A month? When that feeling seemingly just lurking around the corner, biding its time and waiting for the call comes along to stay like bad weather, I, probably like you, often turn to music. Always turn to music. I turn to the muses, born of memory, as we heard above and below. And Bob Dylan is often there, not the only one of these mistresses and masters of the reflections and refractions of the voice of the muses, of course. 
the list of musicians singing for the lost and lonely-hearted in the lowlands runs nearly as deep as the feelings they carry for us. There's comfort in that alone, in not being alone, in knowing that so many have fallen just like you have been felled, singing just like that bird, singing just for you. I'm reminded of a paragraph from Nick Hornby's High Fidelity. It goes like this. People worry about kids playing with guns and teenagers watching violent videos. We are scared that some of that culture of violence will take them over. Nobody worries about kids listening to thousands, literally thousands of songs about broken hearts and rejection and pain and misery and loss. The unhappiest people I know, romantically speaking, are the ones who like pop music the most. And I don't know whether pop music has caused this unhappiness, but I do know that they've been listening to the sad songs longer than they've been living the unhappy lives. Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands is an epic wallop. Those Nashville musicians backing Dylan in February 1966 are said to have thought that the song was over quite a few times during those 11-odd minutes. Warehouse eyes, windows to the soul that can hold anything and everything, an Arabian drum, a hint of the ancient like that bazooki I heard by the sea. This song is an invitation which is marked by pain as old as a painted desert. And it's manners and your mother's drugs and your cowboy. To enter someone's eyes because of the sadness the lover sees in the other, a sadness all their own, like Springsteen's Candy in Candy's Room from 1978's Darkness on the Edge of Town. As Nick Hornby asks, what came first? The musing over the sadness that pulls us in, a hunger for that depth and disruption and distraction from our own musings, a memory that needs a companion revisiting the spring of the muses that runs along the outskirts of Hades so that we can feel the edge of what we can contain in this life in order to know how it feels to be alive. Chicken, egg, memory, need. It almost sounds like a joke, but as Woody Allen did say, we need the eggs. But with the sea at your feet And the phony false alarm And with the child of the hoodlum 
It almost sounds like a joke, or at least a rhetorical question. And Dylan asks a rhetorical question as the capper of each verse of Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands, who could bury, marry, outguess, or carry you, he asks, unanswered. Who would not want to kiss, let alone just want to kiss such a lover? It's tragic amusement, and one that the world seems to have always known. Should I leave them by your gate? Oh, said I'd leave, should I wait? With your sheet metal memory of canary. had to go and your gentleness now which you just can't help but show among them do you think in episode four of season one backwards spoiler alert we called upon franz kafka's parable for the drift of meaning in our own days before the law There sat a man from the country outside of a locked gate, a stream of intense light streaming from under the door. A guard rebuffed the man from the country's ambivalent request to go inside the gate to be in the light. And in the end, the man from the country is too afraid to demand entry. And the guard laughs at him cruelly because by the time it becomes clear that this gate was precisely the entrance into the eternity of love and knowledge or nirvana or whatever that the man was meant to know, there's nothing left of him, and the door remains permanently shut. Dylan's Senor, Tales of Yankee Power, another song about a gate and a gatekeeper, holds stunningly close to Kafka's parable. This idea of a place where a kind of perfect creation exists, a place you can feel but you just can't touch, spans the breadth of Dylan's career because his songs are full of the stuff of religious myth. And religious myth is essentially a poetic means for providing contours for what we can't explain. Fittingly, Dylan turns to a myth from the same primordial pool as the Greeks stepped into for their poetic aspirations, the book of Genesis, the story of the Garden of Eden. Of war and peace, the truth just twists its curfew, gull it glides. Upon four-legged forest clouds, the cowboy angel rides. With his candle lit into the sun, though its glow is waxed in black. All except when neath the trees of Eden. There are actually two stories of Genesis, two opening scenes, two creations, kind of like a director's cut for which the director 
with a capital D, I suppose, could not decide which version he or she preferred. In the first, God creates a being called Adam, Adam, who contains both male and female elements. And in the second version, Adam is a male. And from his rib, a female is created so that he will not be alone, so that they can cleave to each other. In Dylan's Gates of Eden, the song, there are no kings, no kinds, no power, no differences, no struggle. There is no need for musing about, for muses, even for memory. Ah, but there's a catch. There's a catch. And the final verse of the song reveals it. Heading for the gates of Eden At dawn, Dylan sings, my lover comes to me and tells me of her dreams, with no attempts to shovel the glimpse into the ditch of what each one means. At times I think there are no words, but these to tell what's true. And there are no truths outside the gates of Eden. This is a classic poetic musical musing, writerly, philosophical, a religious catch-22. There's a bridge with the dream or the glimpse recognizing that all and all of its purity within the gates of Eden is closed just like Kafka's gate. The trick then, the trick of the catch-22 is living for, expanding, dancing in the light, as Leonard Cohen might have said, of the cracks where the light gets in from Eden. We struggle, we struggle to collect holy sparks that come through the gates or underneath the door. We ask the muses for something that links us to the eternal, something that glows, something that reminds us that we do have a way of peeking behind those gates of Eden. Queen. On Rough and Rowdy Ways, Dylan's most recent album, in one of the most touching moments on the record, Dylan offers a kind of prayer, a prayer to Menemosine, the mother of muses. Mother of muses, sing for me. Sing of the mountains and the deep dark sea. Sing of the lakes and the nymphs of the forest. Sing your hearts out, all you women of the chorus. Sing of honor and faith and glory be. Mother of Muses, that's the name of the song. And Dylan even hints that it's actually the Greek goddess herself to whom he is beseeching because he mentions her daughter, one of the nine sisters, Calliope by name. Mother of Muses, sing for me, sing of the mountains and the deep dark sea, sing of the lakes and the nymphs of the forest, sing your hearts out, all you women of the chorus. Sing of honor and fate and glory be. Mother of Muses, 
sing for me. Mother of muses, sing for my heart. Sing of a love too soon to depart. Sing of the heroes who stood alone, whose names are engraved on tablets of stone, who struggled with pain so the world could go free. Mother of muses, sing for me. Sing of Sherman, Montgomery, and Scott, and of Zukov and Patton and the battles they fought, who cleared the path for Presley to sing, who carved the path for Martin Luther King, who did what they did, and they went on their way. Man, I could tell their stories all day. I'm falling in love with Calliope. She don't belong to anyone, why not give her to me? She's speaking to me, speaking with her eyes. I've grown so tired of chasing lies, mother of muses, wherever you are. I've already outlived my life by far, mother of muses. Unleash your wrath, things I can't see, they're blocking my path. Show me your wisdom, tell me my fate, put me upright, make me walk straight. Forge my identity from the inside out. You know what I'm talking about. Take me to the river, release your charms, lay me down a while in your sweet, loving arms. Wake me, shake me, free me from sin, make me invisible like the wind. Got a mind that ramble, got a mind that roam. I'm traveling light, and I'm slow coming home. An appeal to the mother of the mother load. It's a song, amazingly, a song by a man entering his ninth decade that reminds me of other Dylan prayers like Lord Protect My Child or Forever Young or Every Grain of Sand. There are question songs like Blown in the Wind or Like a Rolling Stone that stand as some of the great statements of popular music like question songs such as what's going on or have you ever seen the rain but these songs these prayers these songs of dylan's beseeching they betray an eden-like innocence or return to something before questions that challenge the system of the gods they don't ask questions rhetorically they ask for help dylan asks for help for mercy for a direction home, like the children who cried for mother in Call Letter Blues, an outtake from Blood on the Tracks that became Meet Me in the Morning on the album. Dylan allows himself to soften in these moments of these songs. I'm traveling light and I'm a slow to ask for help from memory, from the mother of muses. Loneliness does that to a person. It softens the heart. It is those lonesome days that allow people to ask for what is really on their mind. Lovers, brothers, colonels, troublemakers, and all the rest, everyone seems to be either dead or turning on the poor guy. This Poor narrator from Lonesome Day Blues. The album the song appears on is Love and Theft, and it's mostly Roadhouse songs. A bit over the top, even, with dramatic exceptions like High Water or Sugar Baby, two of Dylan's best. But Lonesome Day Blues does what most of the album does, sort of a controlled fury 
You can't hide how much the singer would have preferred to stay home and avoid what's going on outside. I'm 40 miles from the mill. I'm dropping into overdrive. Set my dial on the radio. I wish my mother was still alive. The earthly, the real, the mother. Getting back to the mother and the source reminds me of Bowie's five years where he thinks of his mom and he wants to go back there. There is something about that desire for escape to an Eden, an escape to the mother, an escape to the caress of the muses in whatever form they can be felt. This miraculous possibility still tantalizes Bob Dylan at the late stages of his career. And Mother of Muses, as naive as it may seem, is also a song of great wisdom. Could it be that the gates of Eden are never fully locked? Or could it be that the gates of Eden are a kind of figment of our imagination we need to create boundaries that help us draw a distinction between memory and the feelings of our present moment. The loneliness of experiencing the sad-eyed lady of the lowlands is jarring and disruptive and hard to take. But something in the longing for the comfort of the muses, the comfort of returning home, is an essential element of all music. Somewhere between nostalgia and memory, between feeling and reaching out for someone or something else. Funny the things you have, the hardest time partner with other things you need. Mothers and muses. And I'm 40 miles from the mill. I'm dropping it into overdrive. I'm 40 miles from the mill. I'm dropping it into overdrive. Set my dial on the radio. I wish my mother was still alive. This has been episode nine of season two of Bob Dylan about man and God and law. The story of what happens when mothers and muses walk into a bar called life. Find out more about this podcast and the book about man and God and law, the spiritual wisdom of Bob Dylan at mangodlaw.com. And look for the book right now, wherever books are sold. We will be back in two weeks with a peek into one of the chapters of said book. I hope that you will tune in then. We're proud to be a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Check out all of the stellar podcasts for music lovers at PantheonPodcast.com. I am your host, Dr. Stephen Daniel Arnoff. Thanks for coming. See you soon. Something I was trying to make out one and one. Yeah, I tell myself something's coming. But I 
I'm gonna tame the proud. 